Hey, how you doing, folks? Welcome to Children's Ministry Monthly. This is a podcast where we're focusing on the needs of the everyday children's minister. That's just what we do. Hi, welcome to Children's Ministry Monthly, Episode 9, brought to you the week of August 31st, 2008. I'm your host. My name is James Kennison. I'm the children's pastor in Kansas City, Missouri, the children's pastor. I'm a children's pastor in Kansas City, Missouri, and I am joined this week by guest host, none other than Thomas Roche from Texas. Hello. And um, he just got out of prison, so uh, jumped right into children's ministry. It's awesome. That's why, yep. he's, that's why he's not saying much. Um, <laughs> something happened to your mic there, bud, and I'm hearing... Can you hear me? I'm hearing your nose. That's okay. I- I'm not making any noise noise. Nose noise. <laughs> nose noise. Oh, man. Well, I'm, I'm, uh, tell them a little bit about yourself as much as you'd like to over the internet, and uh, we'll get started. Well, uh, the jury was stacked against me, so that's why that happened. Uh, but other than that, I'm a, I'm a rookie children's minister in uh, at First Assembly of God in Plainview, Texas, and uh, I've only been in the game for about close to a year and a half, maybe. Uh, transferred down from uh, youth ministry over to children's ministry uh, because people didn't think I was mature enough to work with youth. Wow, that's not true. Uh, that's not true at all. Uh, <laughs> it's just because my parole officer is closer down here. Oh boy. Uh, but yeah, um, I'm, I'm kind of I'm new to the game, but I'm, I'm hopefully I'm learning quick and I'm, I'm getting a lot of lessons under my belt on the way. So, uh, but I love kids. Well, this week we're going to be talking a lot about. Actually, it was based off a post that you made on the new uh, cmconnect.org website, and it really got me thinking. I know we had discussed some things in advance over the phone where we were going to go a little different direction, talking about your first year in ministry and stuff. And feel free to throw as much of that in as you want. But you really raised a unique question online, and that was about um, that that weird feeling that we get, not just you, uh, but the weird feeling you get when you when you're a new minister and you realize you know, there's that balance of, I need more people, but I really don't want to ask people. And yeah. can I, and what part is my job and what part is their job and all that kind of stuff. So we're going to really, we're going to really talk about that a little bit. Um, there was some great stuff online that was posted and uh, I know you've got some comments and stuff, but before we get into that, uh, we always uh, give a little ministry update and um, update folks on what we've been doing. Now, this will be, you know, obviously a ministry introduction for you, but uh, I'll go first. Basically, since last uh, episode, I have completely fully integrated uh, our check-in system. It's finally launched, and it and it's it's at every single hour. Some of those that know the the that are check-in systems history know that we launched it slow. We started on like Sunday nights, and then Wednesday nights where our crowds were lower, and we perfected it and got people trained, and then we grew and we went ahead and launched to our big service, which was second service on Sunday. And as of two weeks ago, we're finally into our first hour. And uh, it's great, and and none too soon because I kid you not. The other week we had somebody come and front give and give a parents a grandparents name and last name claim they were the grandparents came and tried to pick up a child, and because of that sheet, because my people followed the uh, policies and procedures that were established, uh, that 
that child was not picked up. That that person kind of vanished. The father came later, didn't know who this person was. The grandmother was contacted, wasn't even at church that day. And uh, so thank God. I, you know, that's it's, all I got to say. Scary. Also, it paid, it paid itself off at the first and the first uh First week or so. Absolutely. And it just, and you know, you, I hate that that happened, but it was very timely because now, you know, my few old school holdouts that do, oh, what do we need this check-in system for? You know, I can, I can tell them that story and scare the poo-poo out of them. And now they're like, oh, okay. So it is a little necessary. So, uh, so that's part one. Part two is, um, last uh, episode I did a solo cast and I talked a lot about, a diagramming uh, website that I'd found where I was able to lay out a diagram of every ministry position that I have in my in my children's ministry. And I don't know, I'm very visual. That seemed to be the thing that really helped me. I've made tons of lists of people. I've never been able to keep them updated. But this diagram, really, at a glance, I can see. Uh, I've even gone further with it. Each branch, main branch, is a, is a ministry. And then I have all the people lined out under that. And every need I have, I've colored those boxes red. So at a glance, I know exactly how many spaces I need. And here's here's what I found out. I, I have 127 ministry positions in my children's ministry. I have 37 of those that are open. Now, that was at last count. Since that time, I've interviewed, I want to say, five people, and I've placed at least four of those, and and I've got one holdout so far that hasn't shown up. Um, But guys, I'm telling you, I think God is really blessing this because I can now say I'm a steward over the resources that I've been entrusted with. And it really feels good. I even went as far as to get a giant whiteboard put on my uh, office wall. And though it's as ugly as sin, I've got it all marked up. Each ministry is a different color. And I basically recreated that diagram in real time, you know, in real life right up there on the on the board. And I've been able to then take the those 37 positions and line item out, put them in the bulletin. I've had more responses off, hey, I would like to be a storyteller in Junior Jam on Sunday morning in second service. I mean, I love that. It's it's the most fantastic thing ever. So go back and listen to episode eight. And even though it's boring as sin, um, actually sin isn't boring. That's why it's tempting. Anyway, different show. But uh, go back and check it out. And, um, you know, check out the resources. I'll, I have links on the podcast website at cmmonthly.com as well. But that's about all I got, other than a bunch of really st- fun stuff that I can't tell, you know, church stuff. But go ahead. Yeah. What you got? Uh, well, I don't – like I said, I'm a rookie, so I don't have a lot. I've been – um, when we came around the year point just uh, last July or this past July, I started to review some of the stuff we've been doing um, and see where we need changes and stuff and what would make things go smoother. Mm-hmm. And I was actually um, – you know, I call you every now and then whenever I have a problem because you're – uh, you're my children's ministry daddy, uh, <laughs> and so uh, uh, and so you mentioned how you do the teams, and you actually were cool enough to get some video of of how you do stuff, and I watched that, and I kind of I mimic what's good, and then I just forget about what's really bad. So uh, <laughs> I'll just <laughs> I'm just kidding. I forget. I don't forget the bad stuff. Um, but I've been doing teams, and I broke my I broke my children's the the children's ministry down by grades, um, which has kind of really helped us out in games and stuff, and making sure everybody gets a chance. And um, and what I did was I I stole an idea from camp where they have all the kids uh, they have colored tape on the ground a big square, uh-huh. and the kid and the kids sit inside there based on their different teams. And so I just gave each grade a color. 
um, and taped up the floor in the children's church, which is which is also the fellowship hall, which is also the wedding hall, yeah, which yeah. is also the bridal suite. I got uh, one of those. <laughs> but I got my tape down there, and I, I just got—I found some colored duct tape and made squares, and then I, and then I made colored flags for each team based on that color and colored slots for their, for their name tags and stuff. Um, and apparently, an angel just got its wings. <laughs> uh, also, also, I've been uh, for the last two weeks. I've been using uh, a Honeywell remote control clicker. Hey. Oh man! I'll tell you what. I don't know whoever invented that idea, but that's uh-huh. great stuff. I told you those things are magical. I'm telling now, you, know, you. I tell more the, people about those remotes than I do about Jesus, and that's the truth. No, it's not. I'll tell you what. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's amazing. I did today though. Uh, when I went to use it, I don't know if it reset or something, but I got up there and my wife was like, "Do you need me to click?" And I said, "No, I got it covered." So she went and sat down with the kids, and then I went to start clicking, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't work. work. So as embarrassing as it was, uh, uh, but you, I luck. You just resynced it. Yeah, well, I didn't have the instruction manual, so luckily uh, I was able to use the the internet while while the kids were learning the memory verse. And I, <laughs> I was able to I was able to sync it. You learn, yeah. You click the back of the box one time, and then the button three times. That's all you have to do. I, I need to learn it by heart. Is what I need yeah, to do. Yeah, um, it, it it is a little confusing, but once you get it, you never forget. It's like bike riding. Yeah, and and I have some kids with serious ADD, so that little laser pointer really really helps, especially if you point it right into their eye. Yeah, seriously. Um, the one girl, this one girl had glasses before. I shot it in her eyes a few times, and she's she's good to go. I'm healed. She's twenty twenty. What'd you do in uh, Jan- What did you do in Jonah's church today, honey? I got rid of my glasses, ma. It's awesome. Yeah, it was all good. Well, we it was a lot better than we we, we did the whole spitting in the mud trying to heal the blind thing. That was a terrible object lesson that I heard about for weeks. But um, no, the only other thing that's really going on in my life right now with children's ministry is that, um, and I've told you about it, that I'm doing up in the air. Yeah. Which is, which is. Um, it's what you do when you're an AG children's pastor. When you're an AG children's pastor, you got to do it. And apparently, <laughs> there's a there's a, a national team that I've been placed on. So there's like five guys um, that are doing it across the country, at least that we know of. Wow. Uh, so September, I'm going to go up and live in a. A scissor lift for seven days, twenty-seven feet up in the air, okay, and just try to raise. Are you taking a Johnny on the spot up with you? <laughs> I'm taking what they call a portalette. You can look it up. It's made by Hassock. It's like a campground <laughs> sort of deal. And my wife pulled the short straw, so she's gonna. She's on latrine duty. <laughs> CM Monthly, sponsored by Hassock. Yeah, <laughs> and Walmart shopping bags. Oh boy. Um, but yeah, so that's the number one question I've been getting asked. How are yeah. you going to How are you going to do that? And how I'm are you like, going to do well, the two? That's all I care about. Yeah. Do so the that's two. so that's what's going on. Just trying to raise money for help kids around the world. What's your goal? I, uh, well, I set a goal for five thousand. Wow. Um, but like I said, I'm a rookie, and my my leadership team, and I'll kind of touch on this later, maybe um, if we get to it. But uh, they they looked at me and were like, "You're stupid. We can raise that before you even get up on the list." I hope so, so. I hope so. Yeah. Well, we already have. So do you, and, oh, wow! Really? Yeah. Look yeah. At you. So, yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. But but at the same time, now I can't get up there and and try to get try to solicit funds from people as they drive by because they're going to be like, "Well, how are you closer to how close are you to your goal?" And I'll say, "Well, we're you know if I'm we're at just 6, using 000, y'all." Well, no. If we're I'll just if we're at six if we've already raised six thousand, I'll just say, "Well, we're a thousand off of five thousand. Oh my gosh. So, <laughs> So the good thing is the more we raise, the farther we seem like we are away from the goal and the more people are uh, encouraged to help. Yeah. I, don't know if that, I don't know if that's deceitful or not. Jake. No, not a bit. Not a bit. Okay. You know, God's grace yeah. is bigger than all that, you know? Yeah. I don't know. 
get off my show. Now, <laughs> that's awesome though. I'm, I I want pictures and video and and you know samples from the shopping you know what, bags. So you know what the you know what the coolest thing about it is. We're we're in a, we're going to do a series this month about the Food Network, yada yada yada, called Food That Works, and it's all about evangelism. Because kids and, are really into the Food Network, you know. Yeah, well, this is for the whole church. Oh, calm this down. Is the main, calm down. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna turn you down. <laughs> Was I loud? Uh, no, no, not a bit. Okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I did stand to my feet and pump my fist in the air. Yeah, it uh, sounded like. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> Food Network is is awesome. <laughs> I love it. Uh, don't you dare talk about mostly the, the cake show, but the, yeah, Ace of Cake. Yeah, but it's it's a whole it's a whole theme on 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 Food Network, and so when I get up there, I'm actually preaching that Sunday night from the lift over webcam to the sanctu- to the uh, to the gymnasium no where everybody's going to be at. No way. Yeah, so that it'll be cool. Awesome. That is cool. Yeah, and and my my topic for that night is bizarre ways to evangelize, <laughs> and so I'm kind of. For, based on bizarre foods with Anthony Bourdain, that's uh-huh. kind of my. Okay, so that's kind of. Now you got me going because uh, one more update. I wasn't even going to share this, but this morning I was teaching on Job. The our big deal was that uh, God's with you when you hurt. You know, He's there the hard times and all this kind of stuff. And I was talking about Romans five three, and that the trying of your faith uh, is is uh, builds endurance. And I was explaining endurance, and I found that I hadn't prepared ahead of time to explain that. I wasn't planning on focus on it, but it was a really relevant point. Just explaining what endurance is and how it's relevant to your spirit and that, you know, obviously endurance is is uh, being able to stand during hard times, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I've been doing something in my real life uh, uh, called the 100 Push-Up Challenge. And in uh, the the goal of this website, 100pushups.com, is to get you to 100 push-ups at one time in within six weeks. And I'm a guy I never work out, never have, uh, hopefully will. But um, I could barely do five when I started. Two weeks later, I can pop 15, okay? Wow. And so I, I briefly told the kids about this. And I said, you know what? I'm at the end of week two. I'm supposed to do what they call an exhaustion test to see how many I can get. I've all, only been able to do up to 15. Do you guys mind if I do that right here and right now to show you about endurance? You know, because I told them I could only do five. I'd been up to, to 15. They were impressed with that. So I've dropped right there in my church clothes and I popped out 20 of them, dude. Wow. And when I got to 15, you know, the kids had been counting for me. And, and they when I got to 16, they start freaking out. And by the time I got to 20, I was the hero of the world. So it served two purposes. It was a great object lesson that really proved a point. And it was affirmation, I believe. I'm, I'm counting my blessings everywhere I can get them from God for for actually trying to take care of my body for once. It's given me an appetite for exercise, and it's really cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could have also just you know done laundry there or something, any other sort of thing that you should have done at your house instead of while you were at work. <laughs> That's long-suffering. I'm sorry. It's a little different. Yeah. It's, it's all right. You'll, you'll get there. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we got some news items real quick. Um, we have yet another voicemail box. And the reason we change voicemails every single time that we do a show is I use a service that gives out free phone numbers. <laughs> and if we don't use it within 30 days, it's gone. <laughs> they give it away. And so I called it to check and see if we'd lost it yet. And the voicemail was like, hello, I am in America. I mean, literally, I'm not exaggerating. He gave this name, and I, I don't even want to mimic it because that would be horrible. But he's like, I'm in America right now trying to sort out my luggage. And so leave a message, and I will call you back. And that was it. So I'm like, dude, got my phone number. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a phone number for Geek Loves Nerd, which is a podcast to do with my wife. It's 206-600-5704. And just say that you know, you're know you calling CM Monthly, and we'll 
we'll divide it out ourselves, okay? And uh, while you're thinking about it, send your comments on this show, your topic suggestions. I mean, uh, me, I'm nobody. I'm just a children's pastor like you. T. Roosh, he's he's nobody. Trust me. Um, I can't have people on that are better than me because I'm at the first level of leadership. I believe in the law of the lid. Um <laughs> In the lowest level, but um, maybe you got something. Maybe you got something that works. Something that in this conversation that I'm having with him uh, sparks something in you. Call it in and share it. Uh, you can email such things to cmmonthly at gmail.com or call them in at 206-600-5704. And then also you can join our group on cmconnect.org, which is a great new website we'll be talking about again like we did last show in just a little while. But this month, our topic is, as we said earlier, delegating our responsibilities and how to get over the feelings associated with that. And uh, I guess in layman's terms, the subtopic would be – or the subtitle – would be how to ask, because asking can be hard. Mm. So um, if you don't mind, Thomas, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Would you mind recapping that, you know, the issues that you're facing right now? <clears throat> well, this is my first, not only is this my first uh, time, my first run at, at children's ministry, it's actually also my first time in full-time ministry. So I kind of I kind of have a full house of, of issues that I'm having to deal with. Um learning along the way, and I'm young enough where I, I don't have a lot of experience in the ministry area to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I, was at, when, I was, when I was a youth pastor in Connecticut, I, I, I was bivocational, so I worked, uh, I worked a couple of jobs, and then I would go and take care of church stuff and run the youth group. The Lord, um, the Lord delivered you from that, though, didn't he? Oh, man, it was a mighty exodus. Was it Genesis? <laughs> I think it was Genesis. It, anyway, go ahead. It was, it was a mighty exodus. Uh, and so... Now that now that I'm in a full time ministry, I I have all the time in the world to be at the church and do stuff, and I really just um, you know having to develop a leadership team and having to find volunteers and get leaders to do stuff. Um, it's really a few different issues that popped up. One of which is kind of the question, um, and I don't know if I'm getting uh, getting ahead of myself, nope, but nope. but. Like, because I'm full time at church, and a lot of these volunteers are full time at a, at a secular job, what we would call a secular job. Mm-hmm. Um, and since you know I'm working at the church all day, I'm paid to be there, and they're paid to be somewhere else. I feel I feel like I feel almost bad asking them to now take their time and put it into church. It's like um, what I what I volunteer at where they're working. How would I feel if they asked me to come out and ride the tractor and harvest some cotton and stuff? You know. And so, I mean, I would, first of all, I'd love to do it because it sounds great. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, it is the fabric of our lives, James. Absolutely. But the touch, the feel, it's awesome. Yeah. Love cotton. <laughs> okay. Uh, wrong show for that. <laughs> there is no and show so, for that. <laughs> um, and so I just kind of ask my, you know, keep thinking to myself, how much, how much can I ask these people to do? I mean, I don't want to run them off because, like I said, I don't have a lot of experience. I don't know why they're helping me out aside from maybe a love for kids and and I just I, I constantly worry that I'm putting too much on people because a majority of the people in my area are very are hard workers. They're not the sort of people that invented Velcro or the post-it note and could just sit around and drink a latte. Right. They're out there driving a truck, digging holes, um, you know, working working with their hands, getting their hands dirty. I think and you just described all the job positions that are open in Texas right there. Yeah, that's that's all of them right there. <laughs> Um, but, and, and so that's, that's kind of what I, what I deal with. And, and, you know, I, I feel sometimes 
bad about handing, trying to hand stuff off to people when I'm paid to do what I do, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I don't feel like there's anything that I can do that my leaders can't do. So I'm either blessed with a whole lot of talent, uh, or, uh, a, a lot of talented or gifted group of leaders, or I just don't have much talent to begin with. I don't know, you know, it, you had mentioned in a, in a post that you replied to me, you know, that these people, if, if they can do it, they should do it. And right. I just don't. So I, I have trouble knowing what to give away and what I should do because I'm paid to do it. You know, it's kind of one of those deals. I'm. Right. I think I think I think very logically and very, you know. So I don't know. Some there's a whole sorts of stuff I come across like well, that. I read that online, and and the reason I wanted to suddenly change the topic of the show is because I remember feeling that exact same way. Totally, totally that way. Uh, after I'd been there maybe a year, year and a half, year and two months, whatever it was, I started realizing that my ministry needed to grow and that I wasn't going to be able to do it all. But I was afraid. But And I guess it came from I'd been doing more than I was supposed to do anyway, and I'd done it a particular way. But it was a struggle because I was doing everything myself, and I didn't want to give any of that away because it was too hard. It was too much to ask of somebody because um, I hated it. I, well, I didn't, but I hated how much how much it drained me, and I couldn't imagine asking somebody else to do that. And I don't know if that's the same thing you're feeling or not, but I remember feeling that, that whole thing. I don't want to bug people. I don't want to run them yeah. off. I don't want to overwhelm them. They came here out of the goodness of their heart, so I'm not going to give them anything to do. And, and what I actually found, what pulled me out of that um, – Obviously, I realized, I think I heard it somewhere, that my ministry needed to grow bigger. It wasn't going to grow bigger than me if I didn't get some help. It would always just be what I could do, and it would never be any bigger than me. And I didn't like that because I want my ministry to be as big as God wants it to be. Um, But I – and I went through the same thing you did. I'm paid to do it. They're not, you know. And I had to even throw that casually into conversations. You know, I get paid to deal with the parents. You guys don't. So send them all to me and let me deal with everything, you know, and all this. And and anyway, the feeling is very real. Uh, You feel like if you ask folks to do something, you'll run them off. But I found in my ministry the exact opposite was true. There was just one day I woke up and I realized that the more more difficult a job was in my children's department – uh, and these were people now that I inherited to a most for the most part because uh, it was only a year and a half out. But I realized the people that had the hardest jobs were the most dedicated. And at the time, I was thinking about my ministry leaders, like my JBQ director, my ranger director, all these folks. And then I was looking at some of the lower level folks, I guess, uh, who were bus captains in our in our outreach ministries. And I'm like, they have a huge job. They call people. They come out and they do visitations. They come out early and pick up the kids. And they, they, dr- they deal with them the whole time. And they drop them back off and deal with parents and issues and traffic and, and driving through the ghetto and all this kind of stuff. These guys have a huge job. And they are there every week. I don't have to call on them. I don't have to worry about them. I don't have to wonder if they're going to be there or not. But then I had a doorkeeper, a guy that was just supposed to stand at the door and make sure kids don't leave. I couldn't keep him to save my life. And I had several hymns. So it's more of a concept than a person. Um, So I realized that. And uh, I realized that people... And feel free, Thomas. I'm not. I'm not just talking to you. 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 You talk to me too. If you have comments and stuff, uh, I know there's a little lag in in um, or a little delay in Skype. So feel free to to interrupt. Um, but anyway, the point being, well, go ahead. Well, I was. 
that kind of brings me to something else, and I don't know if I'm getting you off track, but you mentioned the door guy that you couldn't keep for the life of you. That kind of was another. That's another thing that I'm dealing with. Like if you delegate, you know, if you if you have a task for somebody to do, and you know they don't do it the way you expected it to, or the way you were kind of hoping it would turn out, um, you know how to. You know, I don't. I don't necessarily know how to deal with it. I mean, I, I would feel bad going to them and saying, "Wow, you really." Mm, I can't use that term. You, you really, you really messed up. You really <laughs> messed up on this one. Uh, you know what's? You know, I don't. Uh. I have trouble kind of addressing that stuff because, like I said, I, I almost feel like I walk on eggshells with people with with some of my volunteers, right. and not because and not because of anything that we've ever not because of anything I've ever encountered with them. It's not. It's not necessarily anything founded on ex- past experience. I just. I, I feel like you know, almost like I have to be very, very delicate. Almost like they're volatile, but I don't know why I am like that. Well, no, I can relate to that. It's because you're afraid to lose them. You worked hard to get them. You prayed for them. You wanted them to come in, and they're here. And you don't, you don't want to do anything that's going to risk them, yeah, uh, leaving. But, but what I found is that that became a self fulfilling prophecy. The more I worried about that, and the more I acted and based my my decisions on that, the more I found that people were leaving. And the, I don't know, there were several other different things, like somewhere I heard about volunteers at an aquarium and how these people uh, line up to volunteer and that there's a waiting list to volunteer. And not only that, you have to pay $40 a season yeah. to volunteer. And then, you know, so the challenge to us was, you know, if your people were paying 40 bucks to, to volunteer, would they be getting their money's worth? And I really took stuff like that to heart and said, okay, they're not paying, but they are sacrificing a service. This means something to them. They yeah. want to make a difference. And what was happening is I wasn't giving them anything to do. They were coming and they were sitting through my service and they were bored and they were wondering why did I respond? What, you know, what use am I? And then they would leave and they just wouldn't show back up. And the reason why I felt like I had to be touchy-feely with them is because they weren't happy. They weren't content. And to answer your question, though, about how do you, how do you address things, um, the perfect way to do it is to establish what you expect in, in advance during the interview process. Give them a quick job description or partner them up with somebody. But if you don't have somebody and this was just a position and this is the first guy you, you got in there um, – People want to know how to do it better. They want to serve God and they want to serve the best of their ability. And it, and it, dude, I don't know. A couple of weeks ago, I had to pull a couple of people aside. They've been working with me for years, but they've slowly, slowly, slowly been getting later and later and later until it was getting ridiculous. Forty-five minutes plus. And I wow. says, guys, I hate to do this to you. I feel, and I just spoke it out. I said, I feel like I'm trying to treat you like a ten-year-old, but. You guys don't realize how valuable you are when you're here on time. You don't even know how bad we miss you when you're not here and the yeah. and the stress that it puts on people. And so I spun it completely around to where, yeah, I was getting on to them, but I'm also validating them at the same time. And you know what? They've been on time every week. And um, But then, you know, with the door guy, just just – let him know, hey, you did this. I mean, I, I got door people like mad and I have to stay on them because it, they're the, my security people. And I'll say, hey, uh, you know, Jeff, so-and-so got past you in there and I stopped him and brought him back out and checked his checkout sheet and all this kind of stuff. Oh, oh, really, Pastor? I'm sorry. You know, blah, blah, blah. Okay. And he's cool. And um, I don't know. You just eh. – it's about building in um, some sort of value into their into their job. And, um, pe- and it's – well, have you ever been in a job where 
I don't know. I, I Okay, let me take it even further back. In elementary school, you used to play a game called Hot and Cold. Somebody would hide something in the room, and all the kids would scream at you, you're hot, you're hot, you're cold, you know, and totally stress you out and freak you out. Imagine that game if only, if the people were only yelling cold. Mm-hmm. You know, you wouldn't, you, yeah. you they, they'd just suddenly get silent, and you wouldn't know what the heck was going on, or if they didn't yell anything. It's only with that balance of positive and, and, and let's face it, you know, the negative and letting them know what they're doing wrong, do people get where you want them to get. And... And I'm kind of one of the one of the ways that I kind of respond to the whole, uh, you know, how do I how do I talk to them? Um, and when I first, like being a rookie, um, and I'm going to keep using that word, just yeah, so thank people, you. People, just so people don't put too much weight into the stuff that I say on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, a lot of a lot of the other staff have kind of I kind of watch how the youth the youth pastor how he recruits volunteers and how he talks with them and how he deals with them. I mean, they, he's been he's been a youth pastor for I don't know you know fifteen twenty years, and so I kind of I uh, I feel I feel like it's all right to glean some some wisdom from him and how he does stuff. And and one of the things that I've noticed that he does, and I, and I and I began to instantly follow suit when I got when I got on board here. Is that he doesn't just recruit people; he he builds a relationship with them first, and then you know, you know, all the people that work in the children's ministry are basically friends. Cool. And and so that way, you know, and most of the people that I that I have working in you know in the Sunday school department or in the nursery and and all this, they're they're mostly people that you know I play. I don't know if I could say that, but I I play poker with a couple of the guys. <laughs> uh, Texas uh, Hold'em by chance. No limit, Texas Hold'em. Just for wow. just for toy just for toy chips. It's uh, you know even the senior pastor plays with us. But I you know we have re- I have relationships with these people to a degree where um, where I'm able to you know go to them and you know even jokingly because that's usually how I how I salt my my conversations with people with a little try to, a little bit of humor. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I I know them so I could say hey you know Jim or you know. I see we're having you know we're having a deal here, man. You know I love you. Hear my hear my heart, not my words. You got to get here on time. Right, you know, right. got it. And and I use that I use that line a lot. I don't know Excellent. if that's a ministry term. Is that a ministry term? Hear my heart, not my words. No, that I think that's unique to you. I because that pretty much gives me the liberty to say whatever I want. <laughs> now I think the ministry phrase would be you know and it's from the '80s. I think is uh, I'm going to tell you this in love. Yeah, and bless your little heart. Yeah. Uh, well, so, that means so you're kind of, so stupid. That's what, oh, okay. that's what bless your heart means, uh, or God love him. But that's kind of how I, that's kind of w- how I do it. I, I, I think it's easier than it than I make it seem on, solely on account of their their friends to a degree. Well, and a relationship so I, works with grown ups and kids. I mean, the example with the kids is a kid you don't know. You have to go talk to him. A kid you do know and cares about you. You can look at them crazy from across the room, and they'll straighten up. And yeah. so, yeah, the relationship is absolutely important. And and you said something else about community. If everybody's friends, then they kind of keep each other accountable. You don't want to let your friends down. And I found as I'm building community, I have an online like MySpace just for my workers through Ning.com. I've got, uh, you know, these forums and stuff. We're getting together regularly and um, I, th- we kind of hold each other accountable. It's automatic. I mean, you know, if you're not showing up on time or if you're not doing your job right, your friends are having to pick up your slack. And so it, it really, really is a great thing. Yeah. But uh, the the trick though is realizing volunteers volunteer for one reason and one reason only, they want to work. Yeah, that's what they're there for. 
They volunteered. They want to be used. And I, the other thing that really helped me to get over that feeling is realizing this, that anything that somebody else can do about my job, they need to do it. Anything that I have to do, I need to do it. Um, so let me say that again. Anything that anyone else can do about my job, they need to be doing it. And that sounds so horrible, but our job, I'm realizing, is not so much to minister to kids, but to teach people how to minister to them. Can can on based on what you just say, can we can we have a very life application moment right now? Okay. Let me and let me ask you this question. If and I and I said it earlier, I don't feel like there's anything that I can do that my my leaders can't. Okay. And then and, and I said, you know, that that can be one of two things. One, I'm blessed with amazingly talented people as leaders mm-hmm. or two or two something's wrong and maybe I need to get a little bit more education, maybe I need to <laughs> you know, maybe I need to pray a little harder for more gifting. Right, but I there mean, but here's the thing. It, it, and I don't want to you're the rookie, okay, but I'm not going to talk yeah. down to you. What I'm going to say is at at one year out um you're still doing so much of what they can do that you're not doing all of the stuff that only you can do yet. Does that make sense? And how do I how do I find out as a as a as a young children's minister? How do I find out what it is that I can do that others can't? All I know is that as I I used to say it this way, I felt like in children's ministry when I first started, I had twelve balls to juggle. I could only juggle three when I first started. And then, um, so what, what, what that would mean is I'd juggle those three. And if, if the fourth ball down the ground need to juggle, well, I'd have to put one down and pick up that one and deal with that ministry for a little while or help that person out. But as I grew, I could do five and six and seven and eight. And I realized then I, I've got a limit. And so I started training other people to juggle. And then I realized, oh man, here there there's a whole ministry to parents that I never even thought it could exist. There's this whole ministry that I need to be serving my pastor because I can draw. And so I'm personalizing a little bit here. I need to be drawing stuff for my pastor. I need to be finding out uh, what what they need. I need to, to do other ministries. I need to be able to network my people together and focus a lot on human resources and, and, and recruiting and training people. I need to be going and, and modeling in classes to teach in class. Uh, I've got a whole BGMC ministry that didn't exist until I was able to start training people to take over a service so I could go to second service on a Sunday morning. All of these things were things I would have never been able to sit down and put on a piece of paper, but started becoming options once I had delegated and given stuff away. So you're, so you're, you're. When you say if you, if you, if if somebody else can do it, they should do it. You're not just, you're not so much talking about like ability or style. You're talking about. It sounds to me like you're talking about workload. I'm talking about giving. Here, yes, I'm talking about giving parts of my job away. Absolutely. And here's here's what got me and gave me my final kick in the pants. I had a great volunteer. His name's John Beckett. He was uh he's a children's or he's actually a senior pastor now, came up under under children's ministry and he's doing that. Uh but he had been there maybe nine months and great guy, obviously called to ministry, more talented than I could ever be. Um, came up to me and he says, So uh we were talking about the service and he comments and it was so rude. Oh, but he was so right. He goes, Yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed the Pastor James show. 
Ooh. And I was like, yeah, it's exactly what I did. And my heart just sank. <laughs> but he was so right. And he loved me enough to tell me the truth. Because I went home and I'm like, dude, I do the pre-show. I'm setting up the sets. I'm making sure the puppets laid out. I'm putting the prizes together. I'm handing out the flyers to the people. I'm watching the doors. I'm on the microphone keeping kids in their seat. And that's before service starts. Then I'm doing opening prayer, praise and worship. I'm doing puppets, all the illustrations, uh, leading worship at the end, altar call, sending them up to their rooms. Every single thing I was doing because I didn't want to give any of it away. Not because, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, I want to say it wasn't prideful, but I realized it actually was. It was kind of the opposite of that, 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 um, it's hard to explain. It was still about me, even though it wasn't a pride thing, but I've somehow still felt like I was the only one that could do it. And that um, nobody else, it wasn't that they weren't good enough. I just didn't want them to have to deal with the stuff I dealt with. And so almost immediately, I gave away worship. That was easy. I had a lady that wanted to do it, gave it to her. She picks out songs. Then the next thing was giving away games. I gave them away and I picked a game gal. And she, I didn't just make up the games and give them to her to run. She got the games. She went out and bought the stuff. She sent me in reimbursements or, or you know receipts so I could reimburse her. And... I can say now the only thing I do in my service, I got guys that set up and tear down. I got sound people now. I've got games. I got worship. I got somebody that does an illustration every week for me. I've got somebody that reads my rules and regs. I do a uh, illustrated ser- sermon. I do a couple of object lessons or maybe one actually. And I do the altar call at the end. And I got people that clean up afterwards now. And I used to I used to go in for three years. My wife and I went in on Saturday nights before service to set that room up. And now, I mean, we did that for three years. And afterwards, I got people that do it in less than 15 minutes. Wow. And, you know, that's the thing. I'm not actually asking them to do what I was doing because I was doing it by myself. I'm asking a team of people to do a piece of what I was doing. Well. You talk about the guy that was that that came to you and said that uh, the, the Pastor James show comment. Yeah. Sounds like that that guy. He obviously wasn't happy about it. He he was a volunteer. Do you? Th- it sounds to me like he might have felt underused, which brings up a question that I don't know how uh, appropriate it is. But um, what, would you say it's more dangerous? Because in in talking, I've, a lot of the stuff I've expressed, you you followed up with, yeah, because you do that because you're afraid to lose them. And mm-hmm. if losing volunteers is one of the things that is constantly in the forefront of my mind, let me go ahead and take the next step and ask you this question based on what that guy said. Do you think it's easier to lose a volunteer by underusing them or by overusing them? Here's, here's my answer to that. It's okay to ask people to do anything. Anything. Mm-hmm. And, and then the reason why it's okay is because it's up to them to tell you if they can do it or not. And so that's that's how I'll answer that. I I had a lady that stepped up. She seemed like she was good. I said, will you take and be, be a GMC coordinator? That means this, 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 and this. One service a week. You've got to prep uh, a snack out of the curriculum for 200 kids. Da, 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 da. It's got all this stuff to it. You're going to have to do a couple events during the week. You're going to have to get on a scissor lift with T-Rouge and share the same porta potty uh, I gave her all of the, the stuff. And, the, and there would have been a time I'd have been petrified to do that. But I made it sound as busy as I possibly could, and that way, you know, if she said yes, then, you know, the real job would actually seem a little better. But um, it's okay to ask anybody anything. The trick is after they say yes, um, I didn't – I well, before they say 
before you even ask them, I got to make sure I know that person. You know, are they, do they, can they still go to service once a week at least on their own? How many other ministers are they involved in? Because those, those 20 percenters are usually in choir, they're doing nursery and then they're helping us out. So I'm not going to pick a first tier leader out of somebody that's dedicated to preschool and and doing middle school ministry on the weekends, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, So I don't know if that answered your question straight on as you'd want or not, but I, Actually, what you asked was, you're going to lose people overworking them or underworking them. I think you're going to lose people on both ends. Um, but it's your job to make sure not to overwork them. And and the way to do that is by bringing in more people and giving yeah. them more to do. So it's not one person doing your job. You didn't just hand it. You handed three or four people your part of your job. So so Christianity is kind of like a pyramid scheme. <laughs> is what you're telling me. Yeah, except there's no money in it, Dad Gummit. Well, I'm, no I'm, moving, I'm moving to Scientology. That's there's your pyramid scheme. There you go. <laughs> I can't afford to be a Scientologist. I've decided. Oh man, but I can't uh, afford not to be a Scientologist. But okay, so let's go to the next level. You're talking about going to the next level. If I believe that anything I do that can be done by somebody else should be done by somebody else, then anything I'm doing that could be done some, by somebody else is robbing someone of an opportunity to serve God. That was the final kick in the pants for me. When I realized that me not offering this to them, it took all the shyness away. It really did. And and I realized that there was some honor built into it, that we're serving God, that, um, you know, then I can go to people and I can ask them and, 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 not, you know, oh, will you help us out? We're bombing. We're terrible. Um, no, you know what? I noticed your kids run to you when you open the door. They, you know, and you're asking them about this, that, and the other. You just have a gift in that area. And I would love for you to share that with our kids. Would you consider, I have an opening, second service, second grade, you know, blah, blah, blah. You have to be here at 830. You'd miss second service, whatever. Uh, but would you do that? Would you be interested in talking with me about it? Um, so anyway, that's... That's uh, that's what I've got. I dig it. Uh, so what do you got? Uh, I've learned that it's important to make sure that um, your workers or your leaders know that you value their input and that you value what they do. Um, I've 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 seen a lot, I've seen a couple people since I since I've been here close to a year and a half who I didn't do a very good job early on uh, affirming them and letting them know how valuable they were to me right. um, and so essentially they took they took their they went and deposited somewhere else mm-hmm. and so and that was one of the kind of that's kind of one of the things that I regret from early on is where um, I think I think as much as I worry about um, how much I use them if I overuse them and stuff. I think uh, one of the original problems I really dealt with was that I I under I almost took them for granted. I think right because um, the ones that I inherited, I absolutely know that I took for granted because I was like, well, they've been here longer than I have. Um, you know, somebody else has already been giving them a whole bunch of thanks, and they're just going to look at me like some young buck coming in here trying to. Right. And it feels weird being 27 and like you know getting to boss around like 50 year olds, but yeah. It's Sunday. Sunday mor- Sunday mornings are. I, I really feel big and strong, getting to push people around. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's. It's. I've learned it's really important to let them know that you value their input. Because if you if you don't value their input and they realize that they're not gonna they're not gonna give it anymore. I mean, everybody likes to be heard, and right. you know, nobody likes to nobody likes to throw an idea out there and then just get shot down. I mean, I deal with that on a daily basis, and I don't. You know, but I get paid to do it, so. Right, uh, but it's important to value people, and that's one of the things that I have learned. You know, value, value their input. 
and, and and here's here yeah absolutely i've i used to really try to get a lot of input from my folks and i still do i mean when they tell me i i there's there's usually a lot of stuff they don't know about the situation though and it's hard mm-hmm. to uh to tell them you know we tried that seven years ago or you know we tried that last week or we're not even gonna try that because it probably wouldn't work but um, what I found is more than – I used to try to get all this input. What do you think we should do? What do you think we should do? And, and nobody would answer. I'd get frustrated and go home, and my wife would be like, James, they don't want to tell you what they should do. They want you to tell them. And I really started taking that to heart and saying, okay, I want that out of my leadership. You know, how stinky would it be to go to your leader and say, okay, I need a job description. What do you want? Well, I'll just write something up, and I'll sign it. <laughs> You know, it's like, a, it's like a doctor's note. You fill it out, and I'll sign it. And I, yeah. I well, I want I want my job to be Tahiti. I have to go and sit in a hammock. Yeah. Okay, fine. Um, but I, you know, I don't want that. I want to be told what to do. I want to be told when I've done something right, and I want to be told when I've done something wrong. And I want them to be able to love me enough to tell me and correct me. And so I have to be the kind of leader to my people that I want, you know, m- my pastor to be to me. That almost that almost sounds like a whole another show about it does ca- about casting vision. <laughs> oh boy, for for yourself, One of my uh, least favorite topics. Yeah, I um, kind of kind of on what you were saying about you know th- your wife, how she mentioned they want you to be the leader. Uh, I kind of I kind of feel like sometimes I show myself to be. Um, I use the term. I use the term vulnerable. Right. You know, just it, I kind of open myself up, and um, and maybe it's just from being new to the position and new to the area. I mean, I'm I'm in a different part of the country completely, um, but you know, I ask myself, how important is it is it for me to show how confident I am when I'm planning stuff? And and I know John Maxwell would have a heart attack hearing a, you know somebody who's supposed to be a leader talking about confidence. Right. Um, right. But, uh, but you know, uh, he's so an I android. Just, just face it. That man's an android. He's programmed. We can't yeah, be you know, him. He rarely sips water on his videos. <laughs> it's weird. He, he doesn't, he rarely well, sips water. I have water. a theory he sits down on a stool because that's a battery pack in there. So. Yeah. Well, it's like the law. It's like a camelback. He, <laughs> the chair contains it's an extra three any, hours uh, of batteries. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, does it hurt me? Do you think when I express too much of vulnerability? Or, I, I, I um, think there's a balance because I used to be uh, very open, and my pastor, my leader, would pull me aside and say, "James, they don't need to know all that. They don't need to." <laughs> they, and it was horribly embarrassing because I'd already said it, you know. And he's just like, "Put some cream on it and move on." He says, "You know, just tell them what's going on with the ministry and go on from there." And and he was right. He was absolutely right. But there's there's a balance between being real. And and um and being confident and, and it, I think it's all of that. You you obviously are real, um, in the same way you are with your kids, you know, because you love them and all this kind of stuff. But you still shelter them from things they shouldn't know and can't understand. And so with my folks, and we are totally on another subject, but that's fine. Um, I'm gonna I'm going to be myself, and they're gonna know the real me. But I'm also going to be very confident. I don't know. It's like being a pastor over teenagers. You know, there's the pastors that want to be the kids' buddies. You know, but then they yeah. can't. They can't discipline them because they tried to be their friend. And and you know, the phrase that comes up then is, you know, teenagers don't want someone to be like them. They want someone to be like. And I. But I think oh. that translates 
also to your adult leaders. They see you as a pastor. Um, and in many ways, they'll see you how you pro- how you project yourself. And I used to try to be really cool and hip, and I'd wear jeans to church, and I wore the you know the t shirts and stuff, and I was the cool young children's pastor, and I I scooted a scooter around the office and all that kind of stuff, and that was really great until I got absolutely zero respect from parents, uh, from my peers, from my leaders, and oh, I can tell why you're a children's pastor because you're just a big kid yourself, ha ha ha. And and then I did my first ch- child funeral, and I packed up every bit of Buzz Lightyear paraphernalia I had in my office. I I totally overcompensated and went the other way. Suits every Sunday, but because it kind of took the fun out of it, to be honest. Um, and now we're totally on a third subject. But I'm going to say this: I I have found that balance now. I'm not wearing suits every Sunday. I'm not wearing jeans and t-shirt. I got khakis and a and a golf shirt. You know. Um, and I found that balance in my in the way I carry myself, the way I present myself. I can look a parent in the eye and talk confidently to them and and still break it down with a kid. I can talk to a leader who's 70. I can talk to a leader who's 16. Um, and, and some of that just comes with time. Uh, but I really realize that people treat you, especially as a pastor, how how you pre- how you present yourself. And and there's and there's that fine line between joking around and being buddies with them and friends with them, which is important, and then have still having the kind of relationship where you can correct them. I've made the mistake of having workers who were like my mom. You know, I let them have that spot. Well, you can't tell your mom to change. You know, you just can't. And and so I've I've corrected some of that. So you just. <laughs> I'm sitting here the whole time listening to every – I'm just like – I'm like hanging on every word you're oh saying just goodness. then. And and here's why. Okay. Because <laughs> I wear jeans and a t-shirt. Oh, man. And I'm the hip young children's pastor oh, that rides around the scooter. In no the way. <laughs> I'm sorry. I read well, your mail. I – and so now, now I realize I've got some things to address. Well, see, but that, and, and, and just as many people as, you know, me, I'm saying uh, this, somebody else would say the opposite. I'm just saying with my personality, and I think we're similar in that, you know, we're going to have a joke before we're going to have a serious line, but it was backfiring in staff meetings. I couldn't say anything st- serious because everybody thought everything going to come out of my mouth was going to be a joke. And I couldn't get workers, but except for certain kinds of people that were jokesters. And then I wondered why they wouldn't take ministry seriously. Why wasn't I attracting the young college kids, you know, that I see in other ministries? Because they're concerned with being young and hip. And I was goofy and stupid. Why were my kids in middle school stop? Ta- why would they stop talking to me? Because I was making booger jokes and puke jokes in service. Um, there is a balance there. I mean, we're still Nickelodeon, blah, blah, blah. We're still having fun. But it, my kids in the middle of fifth grade were getting embarrassed of their children's pastor. And right. um, and and I had a hard time facing adults face-to-face. I really did. And I think it was because I saw myself as a children's pastor. Now I see myself as a pastor who happens to work with children. Hmm. I'm assistant to the regional manager. <laughs> Bears or assistant feet. regional manager, actually. That's good so. stuff. <laughs> anyway, uh, we're already 52 minutes into it. So if you have any final comments, now's the time, Mr. Up in the Air. Yeah, let me um, – One, I just recently had a real big breakthrough, I feel like, kind of in the in terms of volunteerism. And I don't know if – I think I kind of – I think I might have talked a little bit about it earlier, but 
uh, with this whole up in the air thing, I feel like this is kind of the biggest thing that I've really been a part of and really kind of spearheaded mm-hmm. um, since uh, since I've been here. Um, and and that's the reason why I bring it up so much. But uh, recently, maybe about a, two or three weeks ago, I was really worried about the success of the event. I didn't feel like we were going to do very well as far as raising money. Um, you know, we're pl- I'm trying to get newspapers and radio and local weather. You know, right. what's the weather like? 27 feet up, that whole sort of thing. <laughs> um, not not different at all. It just rains just a second sooner. And I was trying to do everything by myself. I spent a lot of time um, using you know poor knockoffs of Adobe Photoshop and making banners and making uh, pamphlets and all that stuff to go to businesses and solicit um, sponsorship and all that stuff. Um, And I actually, after spending like two weeks just buckling down and printing all the stuff off and perforating stuff so I'd have dotted lines so that I could peel them off and have stuff sent in and making logos and fixing what the the national office sent me because it was no good and I had to fix it, (laughs) Um, uh, cut that part out. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, David Boyd. We love you and your wife. Sorry, Marshall Bruner. You're the man. (laughs) Uh, And so I actually, (laughs) I actually ended up. I I took my car one Tuesday. um, I went and parked like at the highway and just got out and walked about two miles away from my car, like in the Texas heat, wearing jeans and stupid me. I had like a sweater and like a, 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 a satchel. Okay. I, I was wearing a sweater, so I look professional, but I'm sweating like there's no tomorrow. Richard Simmons called me and was like, hey, what's going on? Yeah. Um, and so I walked two miles stopping at every business on the, way, on the way down the road, and then I crossed the street, walked all the way back doing the same exact thing, and it took me about 10 hours of just walking it, and I maybe had one or two people say, yeah, that's something I'd consider being interested about possibly maybe. Mm. And, and I'd never faced that much rejection in my 27 years of life. And I went, I went home and I went to my dark place that night. I just, oh. I just, I just sat down and I ate all sorts of, uh, comfort foods, you know, peanut butter and chocolate and, uh, <laughs> you know, just anything, anything that wouldn't walk away. I was eating it. I just felt terrible. Um, and my my leaders finally stepped in when I was telling them about it, and they were like, "You know, why are you doing this?" Uh, I'm talking about my children's le- workers, the guys, the people that I've recruited, and the yeah. people that are just work with the kids. And they stepped up and said, "Why are you doing that?" There's, why would anybody, you know, give some young looking guy who walks in the door any sort of time of day, any sort of money, um, especially when you know all this other stuff they could be donating to locally? They said, "You need to just give us a bunch of those papers and let us go out to our friends, business yep. relationships, people that we that we know, mm-hmm. and let us take care of that." Excellent. And I was like, "Are you are you sure? I mean, are are we going to be able to raise the money? I don't want to put you know." I don't want to put too much effort. I don't want to put too much work on you. I don't want to delegate. I don't want to give you an opportunity to serve the Lord. Yeah, how dare you grow and 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 be mobilized? Uh, And so I I ended (laughs) up doing that, and I released that to them, and I I literally kind of almost you know I too almost took all my Buzz Lightyear whatever guys away. I kind of went the opposite direction. I just about completely took my hands off of the entire that entire side of the event. Excellent. But that didn't back that didn't backfire too bad, um, and they came back to me just today, um, after maybe a week and a half. And I sat down with one guy, and he was just handing me check after check that he collected. And and I mean, the you know the five some out some out thousand dollars that we've already raised is just that's crazy just from those people. Not yeah, a single awesome. person that I had talked to, my whole list of contacts, everything that looked so professional and laid out, and I had spreadsheets and all sorts of crud. 
Um, and I went from being completely discouraged to just over overly amped about the um, – I've spazwatted completely about it, you know. And and I learned that my when my people when my people believe in something that I've put in front of them. Are you chewing ice? I'm typing. Go. <laughs> okay. I, I learned that when my people believe in something that I put in front of them, they'll take ownership of it and they'll run with it and they'll make it happen. And I've just kind of got to let my hands off it. And so, you know, I have yet to see anything that I've really tasked on my leaders. I've yet to see anything like that fail. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of encouraged basically starting today, coming into this phone call. Cool. Awesome. <laughs> Did you hear? Did you hear anything I said? I and did. That's you, no, and no. That's how you make a million dollars without I, trying. I don't. I don't understand. I. I just. I'm blown away by that because that. You know. I just. It means a lot. It's awesome. No, absolutely. He's listening. Uh, I, I just had two thoughts that I pulled out of that because one of them earlier I was trying to hunt him and hawn and and all this about um, trying to explain that it was prideful that I thought I was the only one that could struggle through all this stuff and 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 I and I got thrown off because I forgot my point because usually pride is um, I'm the only one that can do this because I'm so awesome at it but the opposite of that and it's still pride is I'm the only one that can struggle through this. We think we don't want to give it to anybody because we don't think they could handle it and because it's a struggle. And we're like, oh, I don't want to curse you with this. But it's still pride because I can handle this struggle. I have all this and I can do it, but I don't think you can. You see how that's still pride? And that's what was my issue. I don't know about – I ain't putting that on anybody else. I'm just saying that was me. And I realized God showed me that's pride, James. You don't think you're all that. You think you're terrible, but you still somehow think you're enough to where you can handle this, you know, struggle, this hard ministry or this difficult prep time, you know. Uh, And the other thing is you were talking about um, giving stuff away and and all this kind of stuff and and how these folks came back with all these checks and things. And it got me thinking – about ministry and how I don't want I okay here's the thing if we try to do everything if we you, that's what you did when you got out of that car and you walked all the way up and all the way back the other side I'm not judging it cuz we've all been there um and I still probably do that occasionally uh it it's we're doing everything we're filling in all the holes ourselves and if my ministry doesn't look like it has a couple of holes nobody's going to come and try to fill them and and even all right when we first started our children's ministry there was a lot of people doing three or four jobs and they were struggling with them and we all struggled together and it became a part of our identity and then when other people came into the picture and wanted to try to help we didn't want to give them anything because we were wearing these hats and we were proud we realized of our struggle we were yeah. proud and it would become a part of our identity. And if we gave it away, then there was no reason to minister because it was nothing to complain about. And we weren't killing ourselves for God like we wanted to be, apparently. And um, they would leave. And so, you know, as we're taking on all this stuff, you got you to gotta give them part of it. And, and we could do a whole different show on delegation and how it's actually harder than doing it yourself at first. But dear Lord, after it's over, your ministry is bigger than you could ever be. And... Uh, I don't know. I've heard people say you're supposed to work yourself out of a job, and that's scary and frightening. But it's so true. It's yeah, so well, true. Well, I'm, I, I'm of the, I'm of the mindset that since I'm a children's pastor, I'm trying to put my youth pastor out of a job. That's kind of, <laughs> you know, so that he doesn't have to deal with any of the troubles that you know that I may have to deal with. I'm, right. I'm, I'm hoping to send him some Jesus kids. You know, there you go. Yeah, but, my, my goal, my, my vision statement is very simple. We want to keep our kids saved after they graduate elementary. 
because yeah. everybody saved in elementary. Hey, I got to get out of here quick. My wife wants to turn yeah. the air conditioner back on, but let me uh, let me go through a couple of voice or emails we have and uh, close out the show. Uh, this one's from Austin. Austin's another children's pastor who may be joining us on a future show. He says, hey, James, trying the bubble.us tool. It's pretty cool. Seems to need some upgrades, but very effective. Uh, apparently, he listened to the last show and got on bubbl.us and used the mind mapping tool to diagram out his uh, workers. Uh, this one's from Stacy Card. She says, "Hey James, just wanted to say thank you so much for the CMM podcast. I am a missionaries coordinator at my church. Listening to your podcast has given me some fresh ideas. I've only listened to one through four so far, but I will finish catching up tomorrow. I loved episode three. I've never used object lessons. Wow, <laughs> but I would really love to give it a shot. Thanks for such a great podcast, Stacy Card. She says, "I love nobody's listening to." I crack up with every one of them. Well, thank you, Stacy. Thank you so much. If you have any comments or anything, guys, you can send them in at uh, cmmonthly. I'm sorry, cmmonthly at gmail.com or call us at 206-650-704. We do have a couple of resources I want to share with you. One of them, again, was cmconnect.org, which is a free social network for children's ministry people. Think of it like a MySpace uh, for people like you. Think of it like a conference that you don't have to pay to go to. I've Minus gotten, the bad stuff. Huh? Minus the bad stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there are some, you know, spo- there's some people on there just there to sell your curriculum and stuff. But man, there's a lot of people just like me and you on there. And I'm on there just about every day. If you do get on, join this CM Monthly group. You can find it under groups and then search for Children's Ministry Monthly. Um, I also have another resource I want to send you to. Um, I'm not getting paid by this guy or anything. It's just a guy I connected with to see him connect and he makes great, uh, games for projection systems. So if you have a projector, uh, a video projector, he makes free games too, but his most expensive game that I could find is 10 bucks. Okay. So it's nothing. You can find him at www.5amproductions.com and that's spelled at F-I-V-E-A-M-Productions.com. He has one called Scorekeeper and Scorekeeper 2 and I've been using it. It, it keeps scoring up to six teams at one time. We divide our kids out, not by boys and girls, but by grades. And so I needed a scorekeeper that could do five. He and I worked out a deal. I'm doing some artwork for him. And he made Scorekeeper 2 and put it live just this week. And uh, I'm using the upgraded version now. Ten bucks at 5amproductions.com. So check that out and tell him uh, tell him I sent you there. I don't know. He he's my friend now, so we're cool. Uh, that's about all we got, uh, Thomas. I just seriously want to thank you for your heart and uh, for just expressing your passions, making yourself a little vulnerable there. I, mean, I know that's never um, never easy, but I appreciate it. That's why I wanted to have you on the show. You're an awesome guy. I'm glad I met you, and God bless Sir, you. Thank you. No problem. How do you respond to that? You just say, "May the Lord richly bless you." Also, <laughs> what are you even listening to me? What? What did you just? Say? Are you eating ice? <laughs> Yeah, uh, seriously. <laughs> okay, check us out at www.cmmonthly.com. We're not just a podcast, we're a blog. So you can register, register. You can subscribe to our blog feed or check us out in iTunes. Leave us a review. Email us at cmmonthly at gmail.com or vmail us at 206-650-704. Tell somebody that you hate about our podcast. And uh, actually tell somebody you like about our podcast and leave us a review in iTunes. And if you have any uh, questions, comments, or anything, do that. Until next time, thank you, Thomas. We'll see you guys next month at another cmmonthly.com uh, podcast.
episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different show, bud. <clears throat> oh, okay.